We are living in days that are very similar to the days of Noah. And God has given us a speaker here today that is building a legacy of fearless faith that convicts, challenges, and speaks with actions louder than words. Kay Shock is my friend. I'm thankful for her passion for the kingdom. She is a kingdom hyphen that God is using in a powerful way. And when she takes the mic, I have no doubt that what she will share will empower and release us to be kingdom-minded young adults and do all that we can for the cause of Christ. As she makes her way to this platform, can we just ask God to move in this place and speak to our hearts in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for every hyphen under the sound of our voices today, God, that we will be impacted and changed forever. Lord, move in this place today. Anoint our speaker and we avail ourselves to what you want to say today in Jesus' name. Can you welcome our speaker this morning? Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be glory and honor forever and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever. Hallelujah. You don't have to stand, but will you just pray with me right now? Father, we honor you today with our words and our hearts right now in this moment, but by the end of this session, we want to honor you with our entire lives. I bind every distraction, every spirit of religious tradition, every spirit of the Pharisee, every spirit of doubt, fear, depression, anxiety, every controlling and critical spirit of Jezebel, and I cast it out of this room in the name of Jesus. God, in its place, we loose your love, we loose your peace, your revelation of your word, and I pray that you flood it in this room and flood it in our hearts and minds. Purify our hearts today, God, to receive your word and activate our spirits to respond to your direction for the sake of your kingdom in the name of Jesus. Amen. There is no other place to put this. I searched in my message I was praying this morning, I don't know who this is for, but the Holy Ghost wants to speak to someone right now. I, I would never do this, for anyone that knows me knows this, I, I would never do this if I didn't feel it in the Holy Ghost, but God is calling you to Jefferson City, Missouri. There's someone in this room that God is calling to Jefferson City, Missouri. And before you leave this place, and, and before you leave this week, God's going to connect you with a mentor and a team to launch a powerful church in that city. No idea who that's for, but take it as your sign. The Lord has a lot to say today, and we do not have much time, so I'll quickly hurry. I give honor right now, and thanks to everyone who had a part in the decision to give me this humbling and terrifying invitation Brother Carson, brother who did phenomenal last, oh, wow. Brother Ranking, brother Thomas, the greatest YM team, my iron friend who has stood by me in dark, dark times, our fearless leader, Dr. Kristen Keller, her team, my pastor, my family, my mentors, friends, and church who are here today, give them honor, and very quickly, I honor the team that I get to serve alongside and travel the world with and to countries that the gospel's not yet reached. I cannot say their names, but God knows their names. 
and they're heroes of the faith. I thank you in advance for, for the grace that, that you've given us of being here. And I want you to know that God is moving underground and above ground. I'm no respecter of ground. In so many ways, and if you want to talk about the underground church and how he's moving in Access Challenge Nations, please come see us at the booth. Pick up a prayer guide if you want to know what this is and you can't see this in the bleachers. Please come and pick one of those up from the exhibits. To the North American hyphens who are defying the harsh stereotypes of millennials today, I honor you and I thank you for coming to NAYC. There are times where the Lord will speak to me in a very progressive way, slowly revealing the layers of Scripture that I need to apply to my life. There are often times, more times than not, where the Lord corrects me and convicts me. And those times are not fun for anyone's flesh, really, but necessary for growth. And then there are nights where He gives me dreams. There are days where He gives me visions, and I have to wait on Him to reveal the meaning. I love the Lord. I love how he chooses to speak to us, and I love that he longs for communion with us. But there are times where he speaks so clearly that I will find myself almost trying to soften an impossibly sharp two-edged sword, staring at a blank yellow legal pad on my kitchen table, wondering how in the world can I say this. So in obedience to God, I'll give you the spoiler, the ending first, right here at the beginning. The word of the Lord to us today is very clear. It's very sure. His heart is overflowing with grace and mercy toward NAYC 2019. He's already started pouring out gifts and callings last night. And I know he's going to continue throughout the week. However, his eyes are definitely set on this room of roughly 8,000 young adults. And his voice is crying for us to give our entire lives for his kingdom. That's it. You're not dismissed yet, but that's basically it. There are several things in life I don't know. I didn't know that the golden doodle puppy that I purchased would be 58 pounds when they said she was going to be 15. I also didn't know that she would shed a little bit when they said she would shed zero. Her name is Asia. She is now as big as the continent of Asia. There are several things in life I don't know. I won't take time to list them today, but if I had to stake my life on one thing, I can promise you it is this. I have been with the Lord. And He is making a very clear call for all of us to give our entire lives today for His kingdom. Let's quickly go through kingdom structure. Since the beginning of time, we've had a front row seat through Scripture to watch the battle between our will, His will, our way, His way, our kingdom, His kingdom. This reached a breaking point in 1 Samuel when the children of Israel demanded that they wanted a king. They had roughly about 14 to 15 judges before they got tired of that system and demanded another way. God grants their request for a physical representation of His chosen government, and He gives them a king. Today I am so thankful that God did not choose a form of government like dictatorship, aristocracy, or communism to reference and teach us and operate through, but he chose kingdom. He did not choose democracy, and he is not an American. He's God. He's the king. There are no limits to his term, and thank you, Lord, there is no campaign. We get no vote, and I thank God we get no vote. We do get unlimited grace, and that's enough for me. 
The Old Testament prophesies of the King of Kings, the Messiah coming, and they were given signs to look for that would distinguish the Messiah from the other prophets that they had known. The New Testament is where we find a beautiful story of, of a revelation given to a Samaritan woman who was at a well trying to understand more about Jesus after he had quite literally just read her mail. I'm paraphrasing. You can go back to your hotel and read in John chapter 4. But uh, she said to him, I perceive that thou art a prophet after he had just listed all of her husbands and all of that. I would think that he would be a prophet after that. She said, you know, I perceive that you're a prophet, but when the Messiah has come, he will tell us all things. The word Messiah in the original interpretation was a marriage of two entities, two titles, two huge concepts. Messiah did not just mean anointed one, but it meant priest and king. What the woman at the well said to Jesus was, I understand you're a prophet and clearly a good man, but when the Messiah, the priest and king comes, the one who can tell me if my sins really are atoned and the one who can rule me not guilty, letting me live in freedom when the Messiah has come, he will tell us all things. And I can imagine a smile on Jesus's face as the living word spoke back to her, I that speak to thee am he. He is our king. He is our Messiah. He is our high priest. He is the king of kings. And like him, there is no other. The kingdom structure was designed by God not only to give us a peek into his nature, but as a manual and guide for us of how to live. Constantly being kingdom-minded should be our first priority as Christians. For the last several years, my father has drilled a phrase into our family and, and countless others as he says, we are all kingdom-minded. It is just a question of whose. Every decision I make, I'm reminded, is this for his kingdom or for my kingdom? Will this benefit his name or mine? Is this motive driven for his kingdom or mine? As we look closer in 2019, how does this even apply to hyphens? We cannot afford to miss the most evil source of opposition to his kingdom. On paper, it's an unlikely source, but throughout history, the antagonist, the rival, the plague of buzzing mosquitoes that will just not cease. And unfortunately, a spirit that is alive and well in the church today, his kingdom's main opposition, religious influencers. Pharisees. Pharisees. You know, religious people that are usually born into it, that knows the ins and outs of the temple, the tabernacle, the order, the traditions, and how to appear righteous like they had it all together, but consequently so wrapped up in how they appeared to others that they missed the glorious, uh, glorious appearance of Him. Does that sound familiar? Every moment we see in Scripture where Jesus speaks about his kingdom, the Pharisees aren't too far away speculating, picking apart his words that didn't fit their personal preference. What does this have to do with us today? It has everything to do with the hyphen generation today. The spirit of the Pharisee was and is trying to completely annihilate the kingdom of God. God help us if we think we can see his kingdom come on earth with our unbalanced obsession of looking good to an invisible visible world of social media. The Pharisees used to have to parade in the streets to appear holy and important, but now all we have to do is strike a pose and hit post. I'm in the book. I'm not on a rant. I promise you I'm in the book. Luke 20, 
46 through 47, beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and highest seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms at feasts which devour widows' houses and for a show make long prayers. The same shall receive greater damnation. Social media and promoting our name over his is killing us. Promoting and prioritizing our kingdom over his is destroying us. And it's not only destroying us, it is a blatant representation of the spirit of the Pharisees. The amount of time we spend wrapped up in an invisible world that literally does not exist is killing us. I know that no one wants to mirror their screen time feature up on the screens beside me, myself included, but it's fatal. It's creating an affirmation addiction to the instantaneous approval, creating a rise in numbers and followers, likes, comments, views, and shares has become a mental motivator of good works instead of just a feature on an app. It's become the visible trap that the Apostle Paul warned of in 2 Corinthians 10 and 12 when he cautioned us and said, comparing yourselves among yourselves isn't wise. It's limiting our ability to focus in prayer. Ten minutes is roughly an average of 22% of a Netflix episode. And unfortunately, that 22% outlasts many of our altar calls. His kingdom cannot come within us without prayer and communion with Him. The word kingdom is mentioned 342 times within 316 verses in the King James Version. But the term kingdom of man is never mentioned, yet it's our biggest battle that we face today. Hyphens, the kingdom of God is not predicated on how we appear to others for our personal gain or the works we do to make ourselves feel successful by any sort of standard church culture has created. Let me ask you, are we thinking clearly? Are we really about his kingdom? The reality is that we're only one election or influential leader away from labeling the Bible as offensive and Bibles being outlawed and illegal in America. Tell me, if and or when that happens, how much will the aesthetic of our social media pages matter then? It's hard to grasp that Bibles are illegal in several countries that I won't name and spreading the gospel is illegal in 29, 29 nations that I can name. And we're mere moments away from that happening in America. If and or when that happens, how much will our kingdom matter then? The kingdom begins within us. Luke 17, 20 and 21 shows the Pharisees criticizing Jesus in the kingdom yet again. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, you heard the scripture last night and answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God God is within you. Jesus said the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. The Greek word used here for observation translated into hostile examination. Jesus was waging war on their obsession with how they appeared. The reward of the kingdom of God was accessed behind the veil, but the goal of the kingdom of man and the kingdom of the Pharisees was an obsession with being seen in the outer courts 
and validated by their earthly success. Jesus was calling out the Pharisees' narcissistic mentality. And he's do, he did it then and he's doing it today. Sovereignly opposing our obsession with how we appear before men and our five to ten year plan and what major in college would bring us the most money in the long run and doing life our way for our kingdom and for our glory. Please do not mistake me today. Please don't mistake me. Having a plan is not wrong. Plans are good. A plan is biblical. Order is biblical. Everything effective in the kingdom of God had order, structure, submission. Research the tabernacle in the Old Testament. Hear what I'm saying. The obsession with placing ourselves as the source of its success is where we are entertaining the spirit of the Pharisees instead of the king of kings. Our best is important, our plan is important, but our regularly scheduled relinquishing and submission of that plan, though, is kingdom. If you wanted a 21st century example of this kind of disciple, her name was Caitlin Brake. She lived 27 years fully invested and sold out to the kingdom of God. She led the hyphens of Ohio in a relentless pursuit of all things kingdom. And anyone who knew her knew that she wasn't living for herself, she lived for the king. Last Tuesday, she received her eternal reward as she was called home into the kingdom of heaven. I'll never forget a conversation that I had with her at Ohio Hyphen Retreat last year. She excitedly told me, she was so bubbly. She said, you know, I have my degree, but it's for his glory, however God wants to use it. You know, if he does or if he doesn't, that's, that's totally up to him. I don't want to make a move that's for my selfish gain, you know. I, I, if I need to stay in America or go overseas, I just want his kingdom to come here. And, and I just want to do whatever he asks me to do. That's all I want. Her memorial service was truly a celebration of the kingdom. And as a result of her life, we are celebrating with our church for several coming back to God this past week and receiving the Holy Ghost. Caitlin, we celebrate the kingdom of God within you and through you. The kingdom of man and the kingdom of Pharisees was a showcase and collection of outer works, outer appearance, accolades, public affirmation, and praise. The kingdom of God is and always will be the direct opposite of whatever is naturally comfortable to our flesh. The kingdom of God is a call to deny ourselves daily. Luke 9, 23, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. It is a violent call. Matthew 11 and 12, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Listen, this scripture, this scripture did not mean go to war with anyone or anything, or in even intense spiritual warfare. This was Jesus explaining that for his kingdom, our will, our plan, our personal preference would suffer inner violence. This was not promoting or speaking of social and physical violence. True Christianity doesn't promote that, but that's another sermon for another day. This was speaking of inner violence. To be kingdom, it requires an aggressive, spiritually violent battle of submitting our will, our opinions, our plans, our preferences to the king. Yes, the kingdom suffereth or lends to violence, but the violent take the kingdom by force. It demands surrender. 
Kingdom culture is clearly explained yet again by the provoking of the Pharisees as Jesus rapidly fires example after example with one common denominator of what's required in Matthew 13. I know we're flying through these, but just turn your attention to the screen for a moment. Verse 24, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Verse 44 through 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. Verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. Verse 52, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Jesus is giving example after example when he's saying the kingdom is likened unto of forsaking their will, giving up their preference, and constantly surrendering their possessions for his kingdom. That's what he's doing. Let me ask us an uncomfortable question. Could we open up the Bible and feel comfortable inserting the way we are living inside of it at any given chapter or book? Would it even blend? What's an accurate read of our current kingdom? The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a hyphen. Harboring bitterness, spreading venom against their leaders and pastor, hoarding their gifts and talents until the leadership can get on their page. No. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a hyphen who knows that the ministry is not lucrative and financial gain. So he and she sow seed into a more visibly promising field so that they'll want for nothing. No. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a hyphen who attends and contributes when it benefits them but stays on the fringes out of apathy and complacency. No. No, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a hyphen who submits when it's painful. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a hyphen who seeks God and feels called, hear me, to be a school teacher where they can plant seeds of Christ and his kingdom into 20 plus students per class period. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a hyphen who has a business mind and administrative gifts that decides to be an extravagant giver for the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a hyphen who has talents and abilities to be absolutely anything but does not ignore the call and silence the voices of foreign countries that do not have the gospel. That is what the kingdom of heaven is likened unto. We've got to start exposing anti-kingdom language for what it really is. I'm glad God called you to that and not me. No, that's not kingdom language. What, What you're really trying to say is, I'm not comfortable in my version of his kingdom. God didn't call me to that because he knew I couldn't handle it. No, you know what that means? That means I'm really just comfortable turning down the volume of God's voice when he asked me to sacrifice my personal preferences for his kingdom. You may be silently thinking this girl's lost her mind. I'm going to verbally affirm that and say probably. I'm not here to push any agenda. I promise you I'm not here to offend you. But hear me. Hear me in the Holy Ghost right now. I have both fists wrapped tight around the iron gate of the spirit of the Pharisees and religious tradition and I am begging I am pleading I am imploring the hyphens the revivalists the front runners of this generation awaken to his 
is worth it all. It is worth it all. The kingdom of God is likened unto radical, unreasonable, beyond logic. That's what the kingdom is like too. The kingdom of man and the spirit of the Pharisee will argue logic of the kingdom of God until end of time. The spirit of religious tradition will argue that we are doing enough. Bi-weekly attendance and dropping a dollar in the offering plate is enough. It's not. The spirit of the Pharisees argues that we should be comfortable. There is nothing in the kingdom of God that was comfortable. The crown of thorns was less than comfortable. The 39 stripes was not comfortable. The cross was not comfortable. The kingdom of God uncomfortably demands our entire life. Talking to somebody in this room that you feel the mantle of Stephen resting upon you. God might be calling you to die. God might be calling you to die to further his kingdom. So as I hurry, hurry to a close, what is our kingdom response? Mark 1, we'll just go 17 through 18. And Jesus said unto them, come ye after me and I will make you fishers of men. Straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. How many were called that we don't read about because they were too consumed with what ifs? How many calls of God? How many camps, conventions, congresses are we going to ignore before we make the decision to live our lives for his kingdom? Mark 7, 6 through 9, and he answered and said unto them, Well, hath he say as prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandment of God. Ye hold the tradition as men, as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. God help us if we're more concerned about keeping comfortable traditions of ourselves more than we're concerned about keeping his commandments. God help us. Can I ask a very difficult question today? Can I ask a hard question? How many of us are excusing and mistaking our Pharisee mentality for discipleship? Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites all. For you shut out the kingdom of heaven against men. You don't even go in yourselves, nor do you let others enter, ye blind guides. Ye strain in a gnat, but you swallow a camel. You bow before the rule of the law, yet you violate the heart of the law. Ye are like whited sepulchers, Jesus said, whitewashed tombs, all clean and fair without, but within, full of dead men's bones and all corruption. Is that who we really are? We've read a lot of scripture, and truthfully, I didn't get to half of them. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom. John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world, so many. The last one we'll read is right after Jesus had told a parable of what the kingdom was likened unto. And the disciples rightfully had questions as this whole way of living was new for them. Mark 4, 11 through 12. And he said unto them, unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are just done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand. Lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Jesus was saying to those who haven't been truly converted, these are just stories. 
The kingdom of God is still a mystery to them. This doesn't apply to anybody's immediate future and there's no urgency to listen or understand my kingdom to people who haven't truly been converted. Jesus was saying here, you're not truly converted unless the kingdom is your life. These are just stories. These are just legends. Unless you're sold out, they're just stories. Aren't we tired of just hearing great kingdom stories of days gone by? I thank God for every elder that has gone before us and every example we have to refer back to. But are we truly satisfied in hearing instead of living it for ourselves? I'm prophesying to somebody in this room, you feel a call to be a church planner and God has spoken to you. You need to leave this room and go call your pastor, your mentor, your elder and be in submission to them because God needs you to plant. Excuse me, God doesn't need anything. God wants you to plant that church. I'm prophesying to somebody in this room that has felt a call to missions, that has felt a call even to a secular field, and you're not sure of what to do with it. This is your sign. This is your billboard. I am telling you, it will come to pass. It will come to pass. That is not you just making things up. That is the call of God calling you to that country, calling you to that company. That is the call of God. We end today where we started. I'm extending an invitation from God that the hyphens of North America give your life for his kingdom. I don't know where these words find you today. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I don't know what valley of decision or frustration that you may be in, but I can stand sure today and tell you that his kingdom is absolutely worth it all. It's worth giving up your name and becoming invisible so that his name can light up the darkest of territories. It's worth surrendering your four-year degree plan one more time just to make sure just to make sure that God wants you at that major or that university. Hear me. It's worth leaving your family and your friends and everything that you know for a season to work in a field that you may not feel is yours, Elisha. It's worth it all. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. It's worth dying for. And wherever He asks me to go, and whatever He asks me to do, And if he asks me to give my life, I will do it because it's for his kingdom. It's for his kingdom. I'm closing on, I don't know if we're having a, an issue with the musicians. I, you're probably not. This girl's amazing. She's going to play. And you can respond to this however you feel. But the best response ever would be for us to leave this place and turn our lives around. As we all stand, if you'd like to find a place in this room to pray, you can. If you'd like to transition over to the next session, you can. If you'd like to come to this altar, you can. I just feel led in the Holy Ghost just to share just one quick thing. Last year, whenever Josh Carson, brother Josh Carson and 
my friend, Sister Christine Keller, called me and gave me this terrifying phone call of, will you come and will you speak to these hyphens? The Lord spoke to me very quickly. He said, I want you to talk about for his kingdom. And I said, man, this is going to be the easiest thing I've ever prepared for. But then he spoke and he said, but before you ask them to give their lives, I'm going to test you in every way possible because I want you to really give yours. And within a matter of days from that, I won't go into details. Every area of my life was literally flipped upside down. And not, this is not in my notes. I did not plan on, on, on telling this. Please understand my spirit and my heart. This is not pinning roses. I promise you. I, I abhor that. And I'm telling you right now, financial, health, family, relationships with people, close friendships, position, job, house, everything you can imagine turned upside down. And I'm telling you this today, I would not go back to when it was all right for anything. I would not, I would not go back to the days of where I didn't have to trust God every morning when I woke up for anything. I don't know where you are, but I, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know if you're facing turning down a job opportunity with six figures or seven. God bless you if that's the truth. I don't know what, what you're in the valley of decision of, but can I plead with you and tell you the kingdom is worth it all. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus, for the spirit that's already moving in this place. God, as we lift our hands to you, I pray that your spirit descend down right now like a flood. Father, I pray that funnel of clarity that you showed me this morning in the spirit. God, I pray that you would release those angels that you showed me this morning that's sitting at every seat. Father, I pray that you loose them right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you loose the angels of war, God, to go against our insecurity. I pray right now that you loose the angels of messengers. God, that you would speak to us your plan clearly in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I prophesy in this place missionaries. Father, I prophesy right now North American intercessors seed planters for your kingdom in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus that's the roar of surrender that is the roar of surrender God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time. No point of reverence, he spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of light. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born in the vapor of your breath, the plan. 
when it's formed If the stars were made to worship so blind I can see your heart in everything you've made Every burning star, a signal fire of grace If creation sings, your praise is so polite So God of your promise, you don't speak in vain, no syllable empty your void. For once you have spoken, all nature and science follow the sound of your voice. And as you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath Evolving in pursuit of what you said If it all reveals your nature so alive I can see your heart in everything you say Every painted sky, a canvas of your grace. If creation still obeys you, so will I. So will I. So The stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. So will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If the you send it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the sum of all our praises still falls shy, then we'll sing again a hundred billion times. my failure and pride on a hill you created 
the light of the world abandoned in darkness to die and as you speak a hundred billion failures disappear where you lost your life so I could find it If you left the grave behind your soul alive I can see your heart and everything you've done Every part, design, and work of art called the love if you gladly chose surrender so will I I can see your heart eight billion different ways every precious one a child you died to save 